Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the August 1st update that a lot of people are calling Medic. I'm going to give you my latest thoughts on this now that we've done a few site reviews of sites that were hit there. And we'll talk about a number of other things that have happened in search over the last week or so. I'm currently in Salt Lake City right now. I'm about to speak uh, at DCM, which is a a search engine conference that uh, really looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, It's a one-day event with lots of really good speakers. And I'm talking on the Quality Raiders guidelines. I think it should be really, really interesting. I'm going to speak a lot about this August first update um, and especially talk about trust. I really feel like uh, this update was Google's attempt in many cases at reducing the rankings for sites that maybe aren't so trustworthy. And I know that that's really tough. If you were hit, uh, you probably don't think that your site is lacking trust. But there are a number of things. So let's actually talk about what we're starting to see in some of these site reviews. One of the sites that we reviewed was a diet-related site. And uh, we actually started to review this site before the August 1st update. And then when the update hit, uh, it it was really, really clear that um, Google was having trust issues with this site. And so we told the site, look, we're concerned because the site had, um, it sold a product that maybe was a little bit questionable. Um, And I think I may have talked about this last week, but the product was basically a a diet supplement um, that was some natural herbal type things. And who knows, maybe it has helped some people, uh, but there's a good chance that it was a little bit on the questionable side. And so uh, if you were affected by August 1st, that's one of the things that I would look at is do you work really hard to funnel users to a product that they don't want? Um, And what we saw was a lot of sites had uh, they got replaced by informational sites. So it's there's nothing wrong with selling a product on your website, but if you are um, primarily existing to sell this product, then Google probably doesn't want to rank you for informational queries. And so you may want to look and see if your rankings dropped for things that maybe people weren't going to necessarily buy or convert for, but they just wanted information on, then you might want to look at potentially uh, changing the way that things are offered on your site um, because I really feel like Google doesn't want to show sites uh, that are all about you know here buy this product use our service um, when people truly wanted informational stuff. Uh, One thing to note is um, I mean we've called this update Barry Schwartz called it the medic update because it really did affect a very large number of medical uh, diet nutrition supplements those types of sites And uh, the thing is, though, that lots of other sites were affected. And so I see a lot of people talking about this, saying, you know, why did we call it Medic? Uh, Are you going to change the name? To me, August 1st update is is fine. Uh, You know, I... I, um, I, I want to say, though, that uh, we, we've been seeing some financial sites that were hit. Some e-commerce sites that don't sell medical products have been hit as well. And uh, one of the other things that we're noticing, especially with these e-commerce sites, is reputation issues. Uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about in my talk tomorrow is... Um, A lot of people have asked me why Dr. Axe had seen a drop for keto. So just to go back a little bit on that, uh, I had written in my algorithm update post on August 1st about how a number of sites that talked about the ketogenic diet were negatively affected by this update. And um, Dr. Axe is 
somebody who has good EAT. You know, I talk all the time about expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. And people were saying to me, well, why did Dr. Axe get hit when you can clearly see? I mean, when you look on the about page, he is a doctor. Uh, We had wondered if maybe it was because he's a naturopathic doctor and perhaps that went against scientific consensus on, you know, there's a lot of naturopathic cures that maybe could be questioned by actual science. Um, You know, I'm not uh, discounting them all, but we wondered if that could maybe be the thing. And then when I was doing some preparation for my talk, I started looking at the reputation of their business. So the Quality Raters Guidelines actually talk about the fact that if you have a low Better Business Bureau rating, that that can affect your organic rankings. Well, they don't actually say that. They say that uh, Quality Raters should consider a site very low quality if they have an extremely low Better Business Bureau rating. And what we saw when we looked up Dr. Axe was that not only was there a low rating, but there was this bright red banner that said, warning, um, I don't have it in front of me now, but it was basically saying, many people have complained about this business. There were lots of uh, complaints about returns that were not processed. Um, People wanted a refund and they couldn't get it. And when we looked on Amazon, there were tons of five-star reviews, uh, but there were also a very large number of one-star reviews. Uh, And a good number of those were people complaining that they had asked for a refund and they couldn't get it. So my point in saying this is EAT is so much more than just, are you a doctor? Or are you a tax preparer? Or are you, um, you know, an insurance agent? It's more, uh, a, a lot of it, I mean, don't forget the last letter in EAT, right, is trust. And so if you were affected, I'd really look at your off-site reputation. And what a lot of people are saying is, well, you know, all those negative reviews were left by my um, my competitors. And maybe that's the case, but I think in a lot of those cases, if you take a good, honest look, there are some business practices that need fixing. So this is where SEO is becoming more, it's becoming less just SEO. Um, I mean, for years, people would separate SEO from business practices and you could take any business and with enough links, you could usually get them to rank well. And in these uh, situations now, while Google is trying to figure out, you know, who actually are the trustworthy businesses, you can find that there are things that you can't fix with SEO. So if you have tons of negative reviews, I do think that recovery is possible. I think that if you can change the landscape so that more people are saying fantastic things about your business, and if you can make it so that uh, the problems that are causing people to leave the negative reviews have gone away, then I do think that over time your rankings can return. But I am betting that it's going to take a long time for that to happen. It'll be interesting to see now that we've sent out a wave of uh, reports for site quality reviews uh, to see once we start seeing some recoveries. I think that a lot of these sites are not going to recover, which is, you know, sad news. Uh, But I do think that some of them can. So, um, The other thing that we're seeing, uh, again, and I've probably said this before with the August 1st update, is that you really, really, truly need to have authority in your niche. And I'm seeing all sorts of places where sites that used to rank well are being outranked now by uh, people who truly are recognized as the authority. And I want to clear up, again, a lot of people are focusing on, you know, okay, I'm just going to write on my about page and I'm going to make author bios that say we've won all these awards and we've, uh, you know, we're the best because because of blah, blah, blah. EAT is primarily based on off-site links and mentions. And so it's one thing for you to say, yeah, we're the best because we have 20 years of experience. 
it's another thing where all over the web you can hear people saying, oh yeah, you know, I, I used this business or I went to this business. I had a great experience with this business. And then also to have authoritative sites. Like for example, um, when I write something uh, that's significant, then often I'll get a mention on Moz and on SEMrush and on Search Engine Roundtable. And so Google can see that my website, mariehaines.com, and my business, Marie Haines Consulting, is recognized by the authoritative websites as somebody who knows what they're talking about. And so you need to find the authorities in your niche and you need to find ways to get them talking about you. And that's hard to do. And really, I do think that Google can see legitimate mentions as compared to, um, hey, I just paid for you to post this on your site. So uh, ultimately, where Google is going, in my belief, with these algorithm changes is in uh, truly recognizing the businesses that are awesome. Uh, and so recovering from the August 1st update, if I had to put it down to just a few words, is to say, find ways to be the most awesome business in your niche. I know that seems kind of trite, uh, but um, Google truly is making it so that little SEO tricks and links and things that used to work to boost up a mediocre business in the past are no longer having such a, a strong effect. I wrote in the newsletter that there were some people that had some other theories about the August 1st update. Um, Kevin Indig had uh, done this research article to see if maybe it was connected to page speed. And I think that that's a reasonable assumption because, um, you know, the page speed update was a month ago and then all of a sudden there's all these changes. Uh, and thank you so much, Kevin, for publishing this because the results showed that his theory was not correct. Um, and so often I think when we have this theory and then we go and we do a study, and the study shows, no, that actually wasn't what happened. I think a lot of people just don't hit publish. And so thank you, Kevin, for showing us that this doesn't seem to be about page speed. Uh, I saw another um, conversation. Stuart McHenry uh, had made a comment saying that he felt that this update had something to do with Google's ability to recognize synonyms. And I thought that was interesting because there was an algorithm update um, on July 31st that hit local sites. Uh, and, you know, I think we confused it with the August 1st update, but I actually think it's something completely different. And one of the things we noticed is that we have one client, uh, one site that came to us for a site review, and they were, uh, I'm going to kind of make the words a little bit different here so I don't give away the client, but um, let's say they were ranking for um, plumbing in Ottawa. And... Um, they were, they're still ranking really well for that term, but now they're having trouble ranking for something like plumbers I can find in Ottawa. And I know that seems kind of dumb because it's the same search query, but somehow it feels to me like Google has made a change in how they recognize similar queries. And so if you saw drops in local and none of the local gurus have really been able to pinpoint what exactly is happening with the local algorithm, I do think it's possible that Google just sort of changed how they could recognize people's intent when they search. Um, I do think that August 17th and August 18th, there was some kind of a tweak to the medic uh, update or the August 1st update. And I think we're going to continue to see tweaks like this. In fact, as I record this, uh, and uh, today's date is August 23rd, uh, I actually saw um, a post from Dejan, uh, uh, Dejan SEO, who runs Algaroo, saying that there was huge algorithmic turbulence today. Uh, and so there may be another tweak to the update today. Uh, I noticed that a lot of sites that uh, had 
had seen gains on August 1st saw even more gains on August 17th and 18th. And so I don't think this is a new change. I think Google probably tweaked things. I know there was a discussion on Search Engine Roundtable about sites that uh, were claiming recoveries from the August 1st update. Uh, And this happened around the August 17th and 18th time. I don't think that the recoveries were true recoveries in the sense that like they made changes and then Google said, oh, now you're high quality and now you're ranking better. Uh, It's way too fast for that to happen. That type of thing really takes months, in my experience, if you can make it so that Google thinks, oh, yeah, now they are high quality or now we can trust them. It's going to take like at least two or three months, usually six months or more to see that type of improvement. Um, So I think what happened with these sites that saw recoveries is that whatever Google tweaked in the algorithm on August 17th and 18th uh, just you know, favored them uh, again. And so it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is from this over the next few weeks and even months. I anticipate that we'll see even, you know, we might even see even bigger changes than what we saw August 1st uh, because Google is, uh, I almost, this almost feels to me like when Hummingbird happened and Google uh, told us like a month or two later after they re- they introduced Hummingbird into the algorithm that, oh yeah, we have a whole new machinery now, a whole new framework in which we uh, run the algorithm. And it feels to me like that happened uh, with August 1st, but who knows? I mean, Google probably won't share that information. We'll move on to other things now. Uh, Google Search Console beta now allows you to download your links. So previously you could only get that in the old version of Search Console. There are a few things that are different. Uh, Google has said that they're more accurate and now the links are grouped according to canonical URLs and duplicates are put together. So for example, if you had a link from, you know, if you had a whole bunch of links from one site uh, from different canonical versions of their pages, then that might just be uh, classified as one link um, or it may just be grouped together because it used to be all over the place in the report. And so that's a, that's a, a better thing. Um, Something that was kind of weird is when you download the links, uh, it used to say if you got the most recent links from Search Console, you would have one column called links and another column called first discovered. And that would tell you when Google first discovered that link. And they've changed that. So links now says target page which makes no sense because the target page is the page on your website that it links to. Uh, I actually spoke with John Mueller and uh, he said he was going to talk to the team about that. So that may have even changed by now. I'm sure that's a pretty easy easy change for Google to implement. Um, And then instead of first discovered, it says last crawled now. And that's kind of interesting, right? Because I think if we are disavowing, we could look at a link and say, oh, you know, Google said that this site is linking to us. And let's say we disavowed it today. And then it says last crawled, you know, two days from now. I mean, obviously it's not going to say two days from now, but two days from now you look at it and it says it was crawled. Then you can assume that your disavow has taken a place. Um, And most of you probably know this, but I know there's a lot of confusion about this, that um, if you disavow a link, it's still going to appear in your search console links. It's not like Google just takes it out of, uh, you know, everything. They take it out of calculations to your site, but you'll still see them in search console. There's no outward evidence that you have disavowed it. Um, it would be awesome if Google could just put a little flag on that link to tell you that it's disavowed, but um, you know, maybe one day they'll do that. Uh, another thing that's interesting is uh, they the documentation changed for getting data, the download link data. And one of the things that it says is uh, it's talking about this most recent data download, and it says this can be useful for tracking down spammy sites that link to them. 
So that confused me because oh, we've ta- I talked probably every episode about whether or not we need to be disavowing. And if Google says that Penguin is going to ignore um, spammy links, why do we even need to track those down? Can't we just ignore those? Um, and so, you know, some people said, well, maybe this is, uh, ju- I think it was Dan from Screaming Frog said, well, that could be helpful for manual actions. The thing is, though, with manual actions, Google's not looking for the ultra spammy, um, you know, sites that link out to everybody, the globe.net, things like that. They're not looking for that kind of link. They want you to deal with the links that you bought or that you made for SEO purposes. So that doesn't make sense. Uh, So... I really do hope at some point in the future that I'm going to have uh, some information, more information on why we should potentially be disavowing for some sites. Uh, if you're going to be coming to PubCon in Vegas, that's something I'm going to talk about. I'm supposed to be talking about local link building, uh, but actually I'm going to be talking uh, a fair bit about trusted seed sites, which is a patent that Google, uh, it's in a patent that Google recently um updated and uh, talk about how you know Google knows which links to ignore and then which kind of links actually could be helping us. Uh, and so that hopefully should be pretty interesting. There's an- another new thing in Google Search Console and that's the mobile usability report. Um, that's uh, eh, might be helpful for some sites. The sites that I checked right now, it's very, very basic. It tells me that there are a couple of pages where the content is wider than the screen. Um, and here's an interesting thing. It tells me that uh, a couple weeks ago, I had pages on my site that had content wider than the screen, and I had some pages where clickable elements were too close together. And then, um, as of now, those have magically resolved, but I didn't make any changes to my site. So I don't know whether you know this report is super accurate. I think it's one of those things that might be helpful um, in the future, and I, I would imagine they're going to be adding some stuff to it. Let's talk a little bit about featured snippets. So most of you know that featured snippets are those boxes that appear uh, usually at the top of a search, and there's all this debate as to whether it's good to win them or bad to win them, because in some cases it gives people their complete answer, and why would they ever want to click to your site? And this, uh, what is happening now, actually makes that even more important, because uh, one of the things that people are noticing now is that the featured snippets actually have expandable boxes on them, And so one of the examples that, uh, let's see here, I think it was Glenn Gabe um, gave an example. I'm not 100% sure on that, though, was on uh, garage doors. And the featured snippet has these expandable boxes for what is the cost of, uh, oh, no, it's not garage doors. This is uh, quartz countertops, sorry. Um, What is the cost of granite versus quartz? What are the benefits? There's another section for the weight of these, another section for the durability. And the point here is that people probably don't have to click through to your website in order to get their answer. So, you know, I I mean, Google seems to be taking more and more stuff off of your website and trying to keep people on the SERPs. And that's, you know, we have to get even better at finding ways to um, create content that is just so incredible that Google couldn't put it all in the SERPs, uh, which is a tricky thing to do. Um, let's see. We have a lot of uh, neat little tips from recent help hangouts that are available in the paid version of my newsletter. I don't have time to go through all of those, uh, but let's talk about a, a, a few things here. There was a neat tweet from Alan Blayweiss um, that showed uh, a message he got for a site that had migrated to HTTPS, and he got a message from Google that uh, basically said, 
Uh, let's see here. Google Systems identified that you recently migrated your site from HTTP to HTTPS. Approximately 80% of your HTTP pages that were indexed before migration can no longer be found in either either your HTTP or HTTPS site. And so that sounds like a site migration that maybe didn't go so well. Um, and so uh, this is really, really helpful from Google. And I appreciate that Google is giving us information like that. Um, Alan also had a good point where he said, this is why you need to have all variations of your site uh, listed in Google Search Console. Um, and so if you switch from HTTP to HTTPS, you still want to keep your HTTP profile active because this message for this site actually came in through the HTTP profile. So, um, you know, years down the road, you're probably not going to look at your search console stuff on HTTP, but there's no harm in having it uh, validated and active uh, at that point. Um Let's see what else we can talk about here. Oh, this was a neat little tip. Uh, somebody asked John Mueller in a help hangout about uh, they had category pages that were linked to from their desktop site, but not included in the navigation on their mobile site. And John did say that if your internal linking is not as good on mobile, then this could cause your site to drop with the mobile first indexing. And this is what we saw with one of my sites. I've talked about it a few times. Uh, and then I switched, I finally reverted back and added the important links. Um, and this site actually did recover in rankings. Uh, that said, there, it, it was right around the time of the big algorithm update. And so Google often does that. You know, you try to do a test for something and then they do an algo update. So it's hard to say, uh, was it because of the links or was it because of the algo update? Um, but the point is, if you uh, have slightly different navigation on desktop versus mobile, you want to make sure that you're not missing internal links on your mobile version. Um, Let's see here. This was an interesting discussion uh, where John Mueller said on Twitter that if uh, pages that they don't crawl often, he said, usually that's a sign that we didn't think that they were that important. So that's something we could look at, right? I mean, we're, we've been making good use of Google's index coverage report. And uh, we look at the section that says um, discovered but not indexed. And often we'll find all of this low quality content in there. And this is maybe something else we could look at. We could look at um, uh, log files and see what content is Google not crawling regularly. And perhaps that's content that they think for whatever reason is not high quality. And so let's say you have actually good money pages that are not getting crawled regularly. Then there are things you could do to improve that. Um, one of the things that we tried with a recent client of ours, and it appears to have worked, is just really, really up our game in terms of internal linking to those pages. So what we're doing is we're just doing all we can to tell Google these are super important pages. Um, and the other thing is to look at, you know, are these pages maybe duplicates or near duplicates of other pages either on your site or on other sites and so um, you know that's something to, to look at so if you have pages that Google just doesn't want to crawl then you really want to take a, a critical look at those I also found this interesting. There was a tweet where somebody asked about uh, where to put content on the page and does it matter if your content, he was talking about a uh, product page and he wanted to know, you know, should we have a, a block of text above the product listings or below? And John said, John Mueller said, if it's useful content, we'll treat it as such regardless of where on the page it is. Now, I thought that was interesting because I was at a conference recently where Gary Ish said something that was uh, 
contradictory to that. Um, now, uh, to be fair, Gary wasn't on stage when he said this. It was a question that somebody had asked him. And I remember he was sitting in the audience and uh, he basically said that if content was higher up on the page, it would be given a higher priority. I don't know. Um, you know, and that's the, this is the thing, like, and I find, I'm sure it's hard for Google employees to always, like, we analyze every single word that they say. I still feel like if there's something important, you should get that in the above the fold content uh, as much as you can. Um, you don't want to hide things definitely behind tabs or in accordions. Uh, but I am a big fan of putting um, some of your most important content above the fold on pages. We have got a lot more stuff in the newsletter here, so I'm going to skip through a few of these kind of uh, quickly. Um, somebody asked a question of John about uh, adding millions of pages to the index and whether that could affect their um, Google's assessment of quality. And John said, quote, obviously you are diluting the value of these pages and it'll have a more difficult time in, and they will have a more difficult time in search. And so this is kind of common sense. You know, if you put out a million pages, there's a good chance that they're not going to be all super high quality pages. So uh, in the past, this was a strategy a lot of people used was, you know, spray and pray. And let's put out millions of variations of keywords and, and hope that some of those get landed on. And now if Google's seeing that, that can affect your entire site uh, as Google may deem it as lower quality. So uh, you really want to pay attention when you're putting massive amounts. There's nothing wrong with putting huge amounts of content out all at one time provided that it's all really good, high-quality content. Um, I do think there was some discussion as to whether or not Google's handing out more manual actions these days. I have seen an uptick in people who are requesting help with uh, link-related manual actions. And uh, often that means that there's a link-related update on the way. Um, you know, so often, here's the pattern that I see is I'll get more requests for link-related things. Um, so one example in the past was a bunch of people with uh, that were really overusing widgets and badges got manual actions. And then there was an update uh, sometime after that where I really felt like Google just managed to ignore most links from widgets and badges. Uh, and so um, I'm trying to think now uh, what types of links were affected by these manual actions. And unfortunately, it's not coming to my head right now. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see a link-related update uh, in the future. Um, Let's see here. What else have we got? Uh, local SEO. We had a bunch of stuff on. Um, there's some discussion again about these third-party uh, um, restaurant ordering places like Grubhub, DoorDash, things like that, uh, kind of stealing some of um, businesses' business. Uh, not much we can do about that other than I do believe you can disconnect the third-party connection from your knowledge graph if you want to. Uh, it's a tough call though, right? Because some people may, you might get more people ordering from you with those, um, but you might also get a lot of people that would have just walked into your store um, and now you have to give some of your money to Grubhub. Um, you know, that's a, there's a lot of discussion on what to do about that thing. Um, there were some good examples of good and bad Google posts in the newsletter. Thank you to uh, Jason Brown, who um, he showed this example of somebody used a Google post to advertise that if you review them and leave a five-star review, you can get 15% off your next order. Uh, that's against Google's guidelines, and uh, that's kind of funny that you'd use a Google post to um, give an incentive for a five-star review, so <laughs> not something that's uh, recommended. 
Uh, let's see. And that's about all that we're going to discuss. We had a lot of really good articles as well that we've summarized on the newsletter. You can find the newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. Uh, if you're looking to contact my team and I, you can reach me at mariehaines.com slash contact. And um, if you're looking to have a site review done, we have a bit of a waiting list for these site reviews now. Uh, but um, you can also, again, uh, actually, if you email help at mariehaines.com, you can get some information on our pricing and what our current waiting list is uh, to, uh, to do a site review. So that's about all we have for this week. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens at the uh, the conference that I'm going to tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, coming up, I'm going to be at Brighton SEO in September. I'm going to be speaking at the Optimizee event just before Brighton. Um, and then also at... Um, PubCon in Vegas in October. Uh, so if you're going to any of those conferences, I'd love for you to find me and come say hi, because uh, it's great. We're, we're getting a real uptick in newsletter subscribers. So thank you for all of you who subscribe to the newsletter and listen to this podcast. I've been getting some really good feedback. And that's all we've got for this week. So once again, I wish you the best of luck with your rankings and have a great week. Mm-hmm.